0: As pro-lockdown leftists get shriller in their calls to lock everyone at home from coast to coast, everyone from cops to judges to ordinary people are wising up to the simplest way to stop them. Call their bluff. Just weeks after premising his own lockdown order on saving just one life, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is promising that lots of grannies are going to die. What a difference two months and a lot of failed policies makes. And the gaslighting Me Too movement is now pretending they never told us to believe all women. Do they think that we don't have Google? All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. A lot of people calling their bluff in this country, and I sure do love it. You know, I am in Los Angeles, in California, which is the most outrageous, overreaching City in the most outrageous, overreaching state in the entire country. I mean, there are parts of New York that are opening up much more quickly than Los Angeles, even though LA has practically no cases of coronavirus. And obviously, New York and other places have a lot more. Uh, I can't tell if LA is just the complete outlier or not here. It sure sure does feel like it out here in California. Around the country, a lot of citizens are just saying, nah, we're not going to put up with it. And guess what? The powers that be are folding like a deck of cards. We will get into all of that first though, I have got to thank our friends over at NetSuite. You know, right now with this level of economic uncertainty, businesses need systems that give them complete visibility into their numbers. The last few months have taught us what's important in life and it's taught us what we need to eliminate or change. It's the same for business. What are the changes that you need to make? All you need is NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. Finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce, everything you need all in one place so that you save time, money, and headaches, especially now. At, at any time, it's important to know your numbers in your business, but especially, especially right now, join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. Right now, receive your free guide, Perfect time to read it too. seven actions businesses need to take now and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash Knowles, Get your free guide, schedule your free product tour right now, netsuite.com slash Knowles, netsuite.com slash Knowles, just saw my favorite video that I've seen on the internet in many, many weeks. This comes out of Camden, New Jersey. So the Democratic governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, is pushing pretty heavy draconian lockdown measures, not just reasonable measures to allow people to protect their own public health, but, but the really onerous measures here and the people of Camden just don't want to hear it anymore. So they decide they're going to start reopening. The cops get called to the reopening and we're not, by the way, they're not reopening businesses like at a hundred percent right away. There was a gym in Camden that opened at just 20% capacity and they had a bunch of other extra coronavirus precautions in place. They had fever checks at this gym. You want to go work out, you got to get your temperature taken before you, you walk in. So these people are being very cautious, very responsible. Still, the cops get called to the gym to shut it down, but one cop wasn't having it. You know, there's a big crowd of people around at the gym and uh, the cop walked up, he said, technically, you're all in violation of the law, but have a nice day. We are and we're only here for everybody's safety today. We plan for the worst, hope for the best, and it seems like that's what we have out here today. Yeah. Formally, yeah. you are all in violation of the executive order. On, that note, on that note, have a good day. Everybody be safe. Thank you. I love this guy we need to get this cop a medal of freedom. This is such the right attitude. A lot of our system of government is premised on the idea that various branches, various departments, various levels will push back on the others and we will avoid tyranny because everybody's got these sort of more local interests, a different understanding of different communities. And so you can, you can push back on things. And that's exactly what this cop did Absolutely terrific stuff. You see in California, these ridiculous cops chasing a paddleboarder around in the middle of the ocean. Paddleboarder's not near anybody and the cops are trying to chase him down on boards and boats and things like that. Uh, Obviously absurd. In New Jersey, the cop walks up and goes, look, everybody's being very safe. You've got masks on. You're at 20%. You're taking people's temperatures. You couldn't possibly be more responsible. Technically, you're in violation of this dumb law, but- have a nice day. The governor of New Jersey didn't like that much. Murphy said, quote, I'm not concerned. It will spiral out of control and we will take action. If you show up at that gym again tomorrow, there's going to be a different reality than showing up today. These aren't just words. We've got to enforce this, but I also don't want to start World War Three. Okay. All right, pal. Uh, I think your threats are a little bit empty. Because what the, what this cop showed, what those people who were protesting the lockdown showed is that, especially in a democratic republic, the politicians can't lead people where they don't want to go. And there's a whole lot of bluster and there's a whole lot of power grabbing going on. But ultimately these politicians are still in many ways accountable to the people. Look at the phrasing that the governor uses. It's going to be different tomorrow. These aren't just words. It's not that he's worried about protecting public health. It's that he's worried about losing credibility. And I think that's true for a lot of the overreaching politicians here. All of their predictions have not come true. We haven't come close to overwhelming the healthcare system. We've, we've social distanced. We've done all these policies virtually perfectly. And the prediction models haven't come true and there's no end to them in sight. All right, we the people have upheld our end of the bargain. Remember 15 days to slow the spread? We did it. We did it. We stayed at home. We, We abided by these policies, right? And yet day by day, it seems clearer and clearer that the policies have had very little, if any effect at all. And day by day, it's clearer and clearer that the timetable that we were told we had to use these policies is being extended constantly. We held up our end of the bargain. The politicians and the lab coat dictators did not hold up their end of the bargain. We, the people who predicted that, hmm, maybe this isn't going to turn out the way the doomsdayers are saying it will. We, the people who were a little bit skeptical about this whole thing, turned out to be right. And the lab coat hysterics and the politicians who insisted to outsource our entire politics to them turned out to be wrong. And now we've had enough. So we're going to push back. And you know what those guys are going to do in their state capitals and in their lab coats? They're going to do absolutely nothing about it because Ultimately, they don't have nearly as much power as they want to pretend that they do. This is happening in New Jersey. This is happening on the other coast in California. Uh, Last Friday, a great town in California, Outwater, California, voted to declare itself a sanctuary city for businesses. You know, in California, we have a lot of sanctuary cities for illegal aliens who violate some of our most basic laws, very just laws, very Like key aspects of our constitution, the idea that we, the people, can decide who comes and goes out of our states and out of our country. So we have those kind of sanctuary cities here, but apparently we're not allowed to have sanctuary cities for people who want to be able to leave their homes and have an economy. (laughs) That that you're not allowed to do. So anyway, Atwater City Council votes for this. Uh, They vote to, quote, affirm the city's commitment to fundamental constitutional rights. If we can permits it. And you know, one defense of sanctuary cities, I can't believe I'm making a defense of sanctuary cities, but it is in this aspect of the federal system that you have the local arguing with the state, arguing with the federal. And in those disagreements and in those power struggles, our political traditions and institutions and privileges and rights are protected. So I kind of get it. I still think the sanctuary cities should be defunded. They're still immoral. They're still wrong. They're still illegal. But I understand why that tension can be helpful. So if it can be helpful on a clear cut issue, clearly wrong issue such as illegal immigration, surely we can apply it to protecting our most basic constitutional rights, the ability to leave our home, the ability to have an economy. These are rights that we were, we were willing to go along with people in the spirit of solidarity and pandemic and police powers. But that has dragged on way past its usefulness and nobody, least of all the people enforcing it and the lab coat dictators that they're giving their politics to can explain to us what the whole point is. So you've got great moves from the cops in Camden, New Jersey. You've got great moves from Atwater, California, even president Trump himself is calling the left's bluff. He made this stunning announcement. It shocked and scandalized the press corps and the left because he is showing us exactly what we should be doing in our rebuffs against the scientific uh, dictators and against the left. We'll get to that in a second. First though, I've got to thank our friends over at Honey. I've been using Honey. For longer than there's been a Michael Knowles show, I've been using honey for longer than there's been a Daily Wire. You you know when you go online and you you're shopping on the internet, which I guess we're all doing all the time now, it's very difficult to search for coupon codes because you maybe you go you find a coupon code then you go back doesn't work that's okay then you got to go back and you can spend. 20 minutes, 25 minutes trying to do this or more. With Honey, the coupons and savings come to you. Honey is a free online shopping tool that saves you money online. It automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart, which makes online shopping finally feel as easy as it's supposed to be. I use this for everything. I use this when I buy flowers. I use this when I buy books. I use this when I buy clothing. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't remember the last time I didn't use honey. And sometimes even if they can't get you a promo code, that gets you some bonus points a little bit back. It's just amazing. I mean, I think the last time I saved 25 bucks, last time I used it. And that's a regular occurrence. So not using honey is literally passing up on free money. It's free to use. It installs in just a few seconds. Plus it's backed by PayPal. So you know, you can trust it. Get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Knowles. That is joinhoney.com slash Knowles. K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Trump himself calling the left's bluff, and he's doing it specifically on this issue of hydroxychloroquine. You remember hydroxychloroquine is this anti-malarial drug that has shown promise early on in treating coronavirus. Trump mentioned this, and then because Trump mentioned it, the left had to come out and say, hydroxychloroquine is terrible. And then there's some study that shows that it's not terribly effective, even though we have set So little information right now that it's very difficult to trust these things, especially when the lab coat modelers have been so wrong about every other aspect of this illness. So hydroxychloroquine, it's been around for a long time and President Trump mentions offhandedly in a press briefing yesterday that as a matter of fact, he is taking the drug himself to stave off the coronavirus. You'd be surprised at how many people are taking it, especially the frontline workers, before you catch it. The frontline workers, many, many are taking it. I happen to be taking it. I happen to be taking it. Hydroxychloroquine? hydroxychloroquine. I'm 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 taking it. Hydroxychloroquine. hydroxychloroquine. When? when Right now, yeah. Yeah, A couple of weeks ago, I started taking it. Because I think it's good. I've heard a lot of good stories. And if it's not good, I'll tell you right, I'm not going to get hurt by it. It's been around for 40 years for malaria, for lupus, for other things. I take it. Frontline workers take it. A lot of doctors take it. Excuse me. A lot of doctors take it. I take it. Now, I hope to not be able to take it soon because, you know, I hope they come up with some answer. But I think people should be allowed to. This is exactly how to push back against the media and the overreaching leftist politicians. Now, I'm not saying the way to do it is to take hydroxychloroquine. I'm, I'm, I should differentiate between those things. I'm saying the way to push back is to go directly at their claims and with responsibility and with precaution, flout those claims, the alarmism from the left. And in this case, the way Trump is doing it is with this particular drug, hydroxychloroquine, because he comes out and says, look, we obviously don't have a vaccine for this. We might never have a vaccine, but there is this one drug. It's, it's seems to be somewhat effective. Doctors are saying that it's helped to cure patients. Some patients say it saved their lives. They were on debt store. They took this drug and then all of a sudden it was great. So, so, you know, maybe it's a good drug, maybe we should try it out. And then simply because he said that, the left said, oh, this drug, it's gonna kill everybody. This, it's unproven. The drug's not unproven. We've been using it to treat malaria for well over 40 years, but the left doesn't care about that. (laughs) They just have to contradict whatever he's saying. So then he, he's so stubborn, like he's so ready to just smack down whatever they're throwing at him. But he says, oh yeah, I'm taking the drug. I'm taking, you want it? The proof of the pudding is in the tasting, okay? You're, the media are are trying to create this hysteria to say that the drug is killing people left and right. Trump's a maniac. He's got blood on his hands. He goes, okay, well, guess what? I'm taking it myself and look at me. I'm fine. He's doing fine. The headlines yesterday, you, you would have thought this was the craziest thing. You would have thought Trump is, you know, going to a back alley, buying, an, buying droxy, you know, and then chopping it up with a credit card and blowing lines in the White House rather than what actually happened, which is that this was obviously prescribed to him by a doctor, not just any doctor, the White House doctor. He's got the best scientific experts in the world around him right now. He's got Dr. Fauci. He's got Dr. Burks, He's got Mike Pence in a lab coat. He's got big experts. Okay. And is, is it going to kill him? I hope not. I don't, I don't think so though. You know, something tells me that if it were, first of all, we would know about it. And uh, two, they wouldn't have prescribed it for him. He's, I really like when Trump does this. He's leading by example. So Trump, you know, he's taking this drug. I don't know whether the drug is going to be effective or not. I don't know if it's going to harm him. I suppose if it does, they'll probably take him off the drug. Some people, though, were really scandalized by this, including the great Neil Cavuto. I love Neil Cavuto on Fox, uh, but he, uh, he took a moment and said, hold on, don't, don't try this at home, kids. Those who took it in a vulnerable population, including those with respiratory or other conditions, they died. I want to stress again, they died. If you are in a risky population here and you are taking this as a preventative treatment to ward off the virus or in a worst case scenario, you are dealing with the virus and you are in this vulnerable population, it will kill you. I cannot stress enough. This will kill you. So, again, whatever benefits the president says this has, and and certainly has had for those suffering from malaria, dealing with lupus, this is a a leap that, that should not be taken casually by those watching at home or assuming, well, the president of the United States says it's okay. Sure, it shouldn't be taken casually, but nobody should be prescribing themselves drugs in the first place. You know, I, I mean, I, I see the point that Neil Cavuto is making. He's saying, hey guys, don't just go out and start stuffing your faces with hydroxychloroquine. Fair enough. I, nobody would disagree with him there, but I just don't think that's exactly what people are doing. The one story that, that the left-wing media was able to find on this was that woman who fed her husband fish tank cleaner. And the more and more you read about that story, it sounds a lot like she murdered him. So I don't know. Or there, I think there's an investigation going on right now. So it, it, this just doesn't seem to be a big scourge. Of course, talk to your doctor before you take any medication. Ask your doctor for a prescription. But I mean, th- that is the claim here, right? The, the left is saying, you, you will, well, the left and Neil Cavuto, I guess in this case, saying, you will die if you take this. And President Trump is saying, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> It might, <laughs> it might be, it might be a reckless thing to do, but that is the kind of fearlessness that you're seeing from the president, not, not just on the medical front, but m- much more importantly than that on the media front, Nancy Pelosi was none too happy about this. Uh, Nancy Pelosi came out and not only said that it was terrible of cr- Trump to take the hydroxychloroquine, she also called him fat. As far as the president is concerned, um, the, uh, uh our, he's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientist, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group. What is morbidly obese, they say. So I, I, uh, I, I think it was, it's not a good idea. This is the most transparent concern trolling ever. I mean, as though we're supposed to believe that the Democrats who called Donald Trump a Nazi, fascist, racist, bigot, threat to humanity on earth. He's going to, he's going to kill us all, whether through his response to the pandemic or through global warming or, or by simply shocking and offending everybody to death, that they're really seriously concerned that he might have an adverse side effect from this medicine. I don't think so. And then right afterwards, she calls him fat. She body shames the president. I thought we were told we can't body shame people. Imagine if if a right winger said this sort of thing about a democratic politician. Maybe prominent democratic politicians that are around today obviously won't name any names. There would be an uproar. It would be so offensive. It'd be terrible. And yet for Trump, there's nothing you can't say about this guy. There's nothing too vile and disgusting to say about this guy uh, that, that you won't get credit for. So, Democrats have very little to say on this topic. Nothing that they've predicted has come true. Nothing that they've enacted has done any good. Even the lockdowns, I can't stress this point enough. There's no evidence that the lockdowns have saved one single life. The point of the lockdown is to spread out, flatten the curve, spread out the number of cases so as not to overwhelm the hospital system. We never came close to overwhelming the hospital system. We had the Javits Center Hospital empty in New York. We had that hospital ship empty in New York. Okay. Never came close. The only other reason for the lockdowns is to buy time for a vaccine, which is nowhere in sight. They had some very promising vaccine in the, in the UK. And then that, that fizzled. It looks like it's not very promising at all. There are lots of viruses, lots of ailments that we don't have cures for, right? So no reason to say that we'll, we'll be able to get one. And, and even if we were in a year or 18 months, are we really going to lock down our entire society until then? What would be the effect of that? They've got nothing on it, right? So now they start changing their tune with even just the littlest pushback. You remember a few weeks ago, Andrew Cuomo, the great hero of coronavirus. What a great leader. He should be the new Democratic nominee. Never mind that he's been the most incompetent governor in the entire country on this issue. Never mind that his state is doing the worst on this issue and yet for some reason they're saying that's evidence that that the leader of that state needs to be elevated and get a get a promotion. Never mind that very specific policies undertaken by Andrew Cuomo have killed people. Never mind any of that. Andrew Cuomo said, you know, if all that they do saves even one life, then it will have all been worth it. That was a few weeks ago. Today, Andrew Cuomo is saying at a press conference, a lot of grannies are gonna die. Here he is. They're looking for accountability and they feel that they were failed. What's what's the comment to that? Yeah, the comment is this, and I have those conversations all day long with people who have lost people, right? We lost 139 people yesterday in hospitals. Who is accountable for those 139 deaths? Well, how do we get justice for those families who had 139 deaths? What is justice? Who can we prosecute for those deaths? Nobody. Nobody. Mother Nature, God, where did this virus come from? People are going to die by this virus. That is the truth. Older people, vulnerable people, are going to die from this virus. That is going to happen. (laughs) Okay, well, that's a a little different tune than we were hearing a few weeks ago, isn't it? If everything we do saves even one life, it will be worth it. Older people are going to die. They're going to die can't get around death. Well, isn't that the point we were making? Isn't the point we were making that mortality is a fact in epidemics, mortality is a, an even more urgent fact. And you can't always stop that. You can't always even slow it down. And the policies that you undertake might have negative consequences, might kill more people, might damage society, might damage their lives. That that was the point we were making. And then you demagogued the issue and said that we wanted to kill granny and we had blood on our hands and we were heartless and only you cared about saving even one life. And, but now you're telling us that a lot of grannies are going to die. I also love the way he opens up the clip. Who can be blamed for all these deaths? What is justice? Wow. Really poetical stuff, Governor Cuomo. You actually, for some of them at least, you, you can be blamed for some of those deaths because just to quote one policy, you took sick people and put them into nursing homes during the lockdown. And when you take sick people and you put them into nursing homes, thousands and thousands of people died because the virus, this this isn't brain surgery. You don't need to be the exalted Dr. Fauci, his eminence, the smartest man in the world to realize that when you take people who are sick with a highly contagious virus, and then you put them with the most vulnerable population for that virus, then more people are going to die. And yet that's exactly what Andrew Cuomo did. He's catching a lot of heat for it right now. And so all of a sudden he's deflecting all responsibility whatsoever. Even though a few weeks ago he said his policies were going to have a real effect. There, you know, if they save one life, they're all worth it. Well, what happens if they accidentally kill thousands of people? No, we can't be held responsible some people are going to die. Yeah, right. You probably should have listened to this podcast and many other shows, (laughs) many, many other people on the right earlier on, rather than just try to vilify all of us as being callous and uncaring about human life and ready to throw granny off a cliff because, because none of that happened. Just push back on them. They will fold. They are folding. I was down in San Diego last weekend, down there visiting some friends, and uh, we go out for a little walk on the street. There are people out milling about. So I'm walking, just a few of us, you know. We're walking down a sidewalk and some woman, some Karen. This is, the, this is the new term, Karen. or One of these sort of women, generally I guess white women, who yell at everybody and tell everybody what to do and, you know, make a big nuisance. This woman who would fit the description of a Karen is walking down the street walking her dog. I don't have a mask on. She doesn't have a mask on. And she starts yelling at us, she says, what, what are you doing? What, I, what, how am I, what are you, what are you talking about? Says, well, why, why, what are you, why are you walking? You can't walk there. I said, where would you like us to walk? Oh, I don't know, away from me. And she's kind of coming down. Meanwhile, she's doing exactly the same thing that we're doing on the sidewalk. I guess she just owns the sidewalk. It's, it is offensive to her that anybody should be, uh, should be out at all because, you know, human or her fellow human beings, her fellow citizens are nothing but carriers of this disease and pestilence. She, she actually sort of like jumps off of the sidewalk as she's yelling at us with her two dogs so that she doesn't get infected by us. Now, what would have happened if she'd walked right by us in the fresh air, in the sunshine with no mask on? You know what would have happened? Nothing, nothing at all would have happened. She would have been fine. I guess we still would have had that unpleasant interaction, but would have been absolutely fine. And this, this woman I saw in, in uh, San Diego was not the only one who was doing this. There's a, a Karen who's gotten very, very famous around the country. We will get to her in one second. First though, I got to thank our friends over at Lightstream. You know, right now, saving every single penny that you possibly can is particularly important, including on your credit card balance. Right now, you can get a rate as low as 5.95% APR with autopay much lower than the national average credit card rate of over 19% APR. Plus, there are absolutely no fees. The application is quick and easy and is 100% online. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience and that's exactly what they deliver. People love Lightstream. Here's what this customer had to say. "Say, I heard about Lightstream on a podcast and was able to look on the website and get clear information. The application process was quick and easy. And you, you hear a lot of reactions like that. This is a great opportunity to solve your credit card debt problem. You know, especially in times like this where it really, really matters. Let's not forget that that crises can breed opportunity. Apply today to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Knowles, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Knowles. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and officers subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com noles for more information. So my Karen in San Diego was not the only Karen around. Here is a woman uh, walking around a beach, yelling at people for not having masks on at the beach. Oh my God, not one person with a mask on. Everybody is here oh and nobody, yeah, oh my God, that's what I'm saying, oh my God. Look at all those people. There's like 20. What the heck? What are we doing to you people? Hi, I'm Rebecca Brand, and I'm flipping out because Governor Newsom announced that this Friday we are no longer going to be on total lockdown. We're opening back up. I'm flipping out because people haven't been wearing masks, and this is going to be even more loosey-goosey than ever before. I think it's all going to go downhill from this point on. So I couldn't tell if this was a joke or not when I saw it, when I initially saw this, I thought, oh, okay, this it's got to be a parody or something of, of all these people who have become so hysterical that they would want you to wear a giant mask even when you're on the beach in the sunshine right? far, far away from people. And then I met that woman in San Diego and I realized, no, some people are really, really hysterical about this. The way to push back against it, I talked to friends of mine, relatives of mine, who have been locked indoors this whole time. They really have barely gone outside, even though they're not particularly vulnerable, even though they're not really in the at-risk population. And they've done it because of the doomsday models, because of the people in the media and in elected office and the experts in the lab coats who've told them that they're going to die if they walk outside. I understand why some people feel that kind of fear. I mean, the, the entire liberal apparatus has done everything they can to gin up that fear. The best way to deflate that kind of alarmism, just act normal keep calm and carry on. You know, they're going to try to shut down your gym, even at 20% capacity, even with the fever guns, even with the masks, just open the gym, just go to gym, just work out. They're going to tell you that any, if you get the virus, you're going to die. And if you take the medicine for the virus, you're going to die. Well, maybe the president of the United States can lead the way and say, look, my doctor prescribed me this medicine and I'm not dying. Doesn't mean you should all go out and do this drug immediately, but it does mean that This situation is not as deadly and and dire and catastrophic as all of the so-called experts told us was for weeks and weeks. Just go out when you're, when you're walking by somebody on a beach, just don't, don't have the mask on on the beach. Be responsible, be respectful, but don't indulge the fantasies and delusions and power grabs of people who have been wrong this entire time. A lot more to get to. We've got to get to one of the negative effects of the virus. We got to get to the coronavirus class divide and we got to get to how the left dumped Believe All Women because now this is getting really Orwellian. We're being told by the New York Times that Believe All Women is a right wing trap. News to me, the Me Too movement is a super secret 4D chess level right wing trap. Oh my gosh. Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh was actually behind it the whole time. We just, what a great trick we played. First though, I've got to thank you. I want to thank you for uh, tuning in and being members, you know, and it's time to share some good news with you. The double Tumblr is back, but it's only available for our most exclusive membership tier, All Access. You get a lot with All Access. Three more hours of the Ben Shapiro, three total hours, not three more hours of the Ben Shapiro show, exclusive Q&As, the new All Access Live, and double the tumblers. You get the one, where is it? Do I have a second? I do have a second. Wow. Look at this. Look at this. We, maybe we'll do the Karen edition and get three tumblers. I don't know. That would, that would be too crazy. We have two tumblers right now, Uh, but that's for all access. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to join all access and get 15% off with coupon code Knowles right now. So head on over dailywire.com slash subscribe. See you there. We'll be right back with a lot more. Every day, the unintended negative consequences of this lockdown become clearer and clearer. One of which is so ironic, we're told that we need to all stay in place and not do anything until we find a vaccine, which might be an imaginary vaccine because there are plenty of illnesses that we don't have vaccines for. And there's no evidence that we're ever going to get one for the coronavirus, right? So we're all t- we have to stay in place until we get the vaccine. The vaccine is the most important thing. Well, do you know one of the consequences of us waiting and waiting on this vaccine? Kids aren't getting their vaccines. The, <laughs> because we're waiting on an imaginary vaccine, kids are not getting the vaccines for the real things right now. Uh, the number of childhood vaccines administered in Michigan, this is according to a report that was released by the CDC, has dropped by as much as 22% amid the coronavirus pandemic. Obviously, there are a lot of other things that are going on right now too. Uh, things that, you know, I guess you would call elective, I guess you'd call these vaccines elective, that normally would be taking place or not taking place. So our, our real life healthcare apparatus that we've built up over hundred, 200 years, that is being neglected for the imaginary healthcare apparatus of a completely empty Javits center in New York and of a vaccine that doesn't exist yet. And of the healthcare workers who are being laid off right now, they're being furloughed because everything else has been shut down. There's a real, real irony to that, of course. An irony that I think the left is beginning to see, right? Cuomo is, is now changing his tune obviously. And yet, even though the left can now see they were wrong about everything, they double down. It's, it's like that governor in New Jersey. He says, these aren't just words. We're going to come back tomorrow. I'm serious. You better not stop us tomorrow. They feel threatened. They feel defensive because, because everything has gone so haywire and people are no longer listening to them. That's fine. I think the politicians right now are completely on the ropes. I think we need to keep, absolutely pummeling them with these facts, with these observations about what is going on uh, as a result of the lockdowns. And then most importantly, we need to ignore them. I mean, even the Marxists can get behind reopening. Even the Bernie bros are starting to get behind reopening. There's this sort of Irony with the the lockdown that I, I haven't heard other people talking about, but I think it's actually exacerbating a lot of tensions going on right now, which is that the lockdown is seriously exacerbating class divides. You know, I, I don't usually talk in terms of these, this kind of Marxist view of the world, of the class struggle and all of that. I, I don't think that's really the most important way to view the world. But the left talks about that a lot. And if anything has exacerbated class tensions, is this lockdown? I'll give you an example of this. I've noticed as I go into retail shops or something that the workers there, more often than not, are unpleasant compared to before the lockdown when everyone's basically perfectly pleasant. But since the lockdown, I've had several rude interactions with uh, retail workers which doesn't make sense to me. I'm so wonderfully pleasant. I'm so wonderfully amiable that it certainly couldn't have been anything I've done. But really, my, my behavior has not changed. There, there has been something that's gone on, and I kind of get it. I actually, I empathize with the, the retail workers, which is that everybody is being told this hysteria from the left and the media that if you so much as go outside, you're going to die, right? You've got to work, you work from home, safer at home, stay at home. Oh, except for you little pesky retail workers, you come on in, you sacrifice your lives so that we can go buy our almond milk. But all, all the really fancy people who have jobs where you can work from home, they're going to work from home because their lives matter, but your life doesn't matter. I get it. I'd be irritated too, if I were a retail worker. It, do- it doesn't matter of course, that the alarmism that the left is peddling isn't true, right? I, I mean, they're, you're not going to die the minute that you walk out the door, especially if you're in a, not a particularly at-risk population. The very fact that you're being told that means that you're being told, yeah, you're expendable, grocery store worker. You're expendable, barista, because I, I got to get my latte. You know, the, those people who are working from home to protect their lives, they need to get their latte. So you need to go and risk your lives. Uh, that's not a very nice thing to tell people. The alternative to this is what the right is saying, which is that Nobody's expendable and nobody's non-essential. Everybody's essential in the economy. Everybody. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, a, a world in which we say that uh, a huge portion of workers are non-essential or that only the really fancy people with the fancy jobs, only they get to work from home, protect their lives. That's an ugly society. That's a, that's a tense society. That's one that, uh, That, that views people as unimportant. I mean, that's, uh, ironically, that's what Andrew Cuomo was saying early on. He says, if we save one life, well, you know, put that into practice. If, if you really view human beings as dignified, then, you know, treat, treat them with a little bit of dignity. Treat everybody as essential. Be all in it together. Uh, I, unbelievable political times we're living in that it's actually the right who's, who's defending the Marxists. I don't know. I don't know how we, how we got to this uh, spot. Even crazier, even more backwards, we are now at a spot where Believe All Women, the Me Too movement, is actually a right wing trap. So the, the left is in a really bad spot, the feminist movement in a very bad spot because the feminists told us during Bre- the Brett Kavanaugh hearings that anytime any woman makes an a- accusation, no matter how outlandish, no matter how uncorroborated, no matter how much it changes, we have to believe those women. We need to strip men of due process rights and we need to destroy their careers. All right? there was no evidence that Brett Kavanaugh did anything untoward to that lady, Christine Ford. No evidence that Christine Ford ever met Brett Kavanaugh. She couldn't tell us when the alleged incident took place, who was there in the room, how many people were there, where it was. The one friend she said was around at the time said it didn't happen. She changed her story. She got caught in a bunch of lies, right? She was completely uncredible. Then there was another lady who is somehow even less credible, Julie Swetnick, who said that Brett Kavanaugh was a gang rapist. (laughs) And the media, Jake Tapper, oh, they were promoting this woman. They were promoting all this trash. And they said, if you didn't believe these women, then you were some, some monster. Now, of course, Joe Biden has much more credible allegations against him. And all of a sudden they're saying, now we shouldn't believe that woman. So Susan Faludi, who is a journalist writing the New York Times. She says, believe all women is a right-wing trap. Joe Biden has been accused of sexual assault and conservatives are having a field day. Oh, we're having a field day. No, we're just holding you to your own standards. Exultant that they've caught feminists in a new hypocrisy trap. A woman with no corroboration beyond contemporaneous accounts charges a powerful man with a decades-old crime Hmm. Doesn't that sound mighty close to Christine Blasey Ford's complaint against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh? No, it doesn't actually because the woman who's alleging the, the crime against Joe Biden has contemporaneous corroboration and Christine Ford didn't. So actually it's not. This one seems a whole lot more credible than Christine Ford, even though you're not believing this lady because it's politically inconvenient for you. Anyway. Hmm. Doesn't that sound mighty close to Christine Ford? Yes. This time many liberals who've championed the Me Too movement seem skeptical. Gotcha. But in fact, Believe All Women does have an asterisk. It's never been feminist boilerplate. What we are witnessing is another instance of the right decrying what it imagines to be the American women's movement. Spend some mind numbing hours tracking the origins of Believe All Women on social media sites and news databases, as I did, and you'll discover how language like a virus can mutate overnight. All of a sudden, yesterday's quotes suffer the insertion of some foreign DNA. That makes them easy to weaponize. In this case, that intrusion, that foreign intrusion is a word, all. All insertion was all the rage during the Kavanaugh hearing. So they're saying, actually the phrase was believe women, not believe all women. It's conservatives who added the all to it and that totally changes the meaning. Except that isn't true. (laughs) That's the, that's the big problem. The Women's March tweeted out, we believe all survivors Kirsten Gillibrand tweeted out, do we value women? Do we believe women? Do we give them the opportunity to tell their story, to be heard? Will we ensure that they get the justice they deserve? We must fight to be a country that answers yes every time, every time. Hillary Clinton, this one, the most ironic, every survivor of sexual assault deserves to be heard, believed, and supported. Everyone, except for the ones that Hillary Clinton spent decades smearing, I guess but everyone. Actually, the Hillary Clinton part is is important to remember here. The left has always been hypocritical on feminism, all the way back, all the way back to the 90s, all the way before that. Feminism has never been a tool to help women and treat women fairly and apply standards equally. No, it's just a political instrument for attacking Republicans and not attacking uh, Democrats, going easy on Democrats. We can go back in time. We can Google this. We can see that they're lying to us now. E- even the idea, by the way, that believe all women is different than believe women. What's the difference? If you, if you, there's no difference at all. If you say believe women as a categorical statement, that is exactly the same as saying believe all women. You could say believe some women. I guess that would be the alternative, but obviously none of the left ever said that. You say believe women, believe all women. It's exactly the same thing. And beyond that, they actually, they actually said believe all women before. This is not the only way the left tries to manipulate language. Before we go, I've got to get to this. This is my favorite story probably of the entire day. The UN, UN tweets out. They say, what you say matters. Help create. A more equal world by using gender neutral language. If you're unaware about someone's gender or are referring to a group, unwomen.org, hashtag generation equality. And they have all these words that we're not allowed to say anymore, and now these words that we have to say instead. If you don't know someone's gender, use the gender neutral language. So you can't say mankind, you have to say humankind. Even though man is a gender neutral pronoun, even though in, in the beginning, God created man, both male and female. He created them. Uh, you have to say humankind. Now, well, hold on, that doesn't work. So you, the problem is that you've got man in here on mankind, but you've also got man in there on humankind. So it should be Hugh person kind, right? But but wait a 2nd Hugh hu-person kind, that still has son in it, doesn't it? She can't, that's sexist. That's not equality. So it, it should be Hugh per daughter Hugh per daughter kind. So, okay, I guess you can say Huberdotter kind. Instead of chairman, you have to say chair. So you have to replace a person with a piece piece of furniture. That makes sense. Instead of congressman, you have to say legislator. It doesn't really differentiate between all the different legislatures. Fine. Instead of businessman, you have to say representative. Those actually don't mean the same thing. Representative means congressman, not businessman. Okay, it's all right. I don't expect them to know a lot about language. Instead of policeman, you got to say police officer. Landlord, you have to say Owner. Uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, you got to say partner, you know, as though you're about to like open an accounting office with somebody instead of have a love affair with them. Salesman, you got to say salesperson. Obviously got to be sales per daughter. You know that manpower is workforce, workforce, not manpower. Maiden name, family name, fireman, firefighter, husband or wife. You have to say spouse. Uh, no, no, I don't think I'm going to do any of that. The, what is the purpose of the United Nations? What is the, I guess it's supposed to provide a forum to discuss international issues and basically just give the United States a way to wrangle a bunch of countries in the world. That's how it's supposed to work theoretically. That's not how it really works. The way the UN really works is we give them plush real estate in New York. We invite the worst people on earth to come over here and criticize us without any, any credibility. These are the worst people on the planet and they criticize us then the important initiatives that the UN undertakes is to try to destroy the English language with a bunch of stupid euphemisms to push left-wing feminism. Let's just not do it. Obviously, we shouldn't use this kind of language. We shouldn't fund this kind of organization. We shouldn't pretend, okay, we shouldn't go along with this. This has been a theme of the past, uh, certainly the past week. Really, we've been talking about it for the past several weeks. We're in a different political moment now than we were in four or five years ago, okay? The four or five years ago kind of conservative vision in America was lose nicely. You know, be a Mitt Romney. Make some weak argument and then lose, but lose really nicely you know, play your role as the court jester in the kingdom of liberalism and then lose really nicely. And, and that's fine. Don't really attack anybody too hard. Yeah, we know the media is against you, but that's life. We know the education system is against you. Aw, shucks. What can you do? We know that virtually every institution in this country is left wing, progressive, whatever you want, but Hey, that's just the way it is. Can't push back. No, I think we can pretty sure we can. That's the defining feature of the Trump era. That's why the Trump era isn't so nice and genial is because he's actually doing something. So uh, let's do it. Let's not go along with this anymore. Let's just defund the damn thing. How about that? How about we call all of their bluffs and watch them fold? I think, I think that's the only way that we're going to shake ourselves out of this madness. Cultural, political, locked in our apartments, wearing masks on a sunny beach. Just push back. Just call their bluff. They have a whole lot less power than they pretend that they do. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. We'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boren, Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.